Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. And uh, as always, lots of great games to get into. But to quote the Godfather Part 3, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. COVID is back, at least the latest variant, Mike, Omicron. You look at the COVID spike, multiple games rescheduled. First and foremost, Eagles-Washington now taking place Tuesday. I don't understand the logic here. So Washington has a COVID outbreak. Let's give them a couple days. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, just play the game. Like, hey, tough shit. This is life. What do you think about the rescheduling? Well, I think a lot of it had to do with paying the players, right? I think if if they would have postponed the game, which is what their intentions were to start the season, right? They said no postponements. We're not going to move games around. Games are going to get forfeited. You know, kind of give some teeth to the to the uh, to the COVID protocols. And you know, to me now that they moved it, they're basically saying we don't want to take away paychecks from anybody, especially the week before Christmas. So I think they did it. I think it's probably the best thing. I mean, we're taping this Monday uh, morning. To Nick Mullins is going to start quarterback tonight for the Cleveland Browns because Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum, even though they moved the game, they still can't pass the COVID protocols. They don't have a negative test. So, you know, I mean, I think the league did in best interest of trying to pay the players. Now, moving forward, I think we're at the point now where we're no longer testing players that are vaccinated unless they have symptoms. We're only going to test the unvaccinated players and then they have to isolate. So I think, you know, this is what we're seeing in the National Football League is what we're seeing all over the country. I mean, we're seeing two sides of how to treat this thing. And I'm not saying either side's right. I'm just saying this is what two sides are doing. Yeah, I saw someone saying, well, so how, do, how does this make any sense? Just do less testing because then you know that less people are there. I'm like, I, I'm with you. I'm like, I get it. I'm like, but the whole point was, though, just get vaccinated. They're going to boost it. We're good. It's a variant that's not as strong. Listen, we just want our sports. <laughs> I just want to watch football. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, we do. And we want people to be safe. And, you know, and, and I, I think a lot of people comment on the science of it that don't really know. I don't know the science. You know, when they say there's 50 COVID t- cases, are, are, are they from people that are vaccinated? Are they, are they, is it, is it, are they going to the hospital? I mean, is the vaccine working? Is it, is it eliminating you from going to the hospital and going to, uh, and and being on a ventilator and and all that, or potentially dying? If that's what it's doing, then it is working. And then we have to work around it, but there's such a, we don't get the right, nobody has all the information that's, you know, it's every information on one side, that's political information on this side, that's political. You know, and, and I and I think that, you know, there are two sides to every story. And I think that, you know, nobody sees the other side. So everybody's so, you know, controlled in their own area. And I think that's part of the issue. Now, I will say this, though, AD, the players agreed to this testing. The players wanted less testing. The players feel like, look, I'm vaccinated. I'm asymptomatic. I mean, what's the deal here? I, again, that's their choice. And I think you have to remember something here. There's nothing the owners can do to the players that the Players Association doesn't sign off on. This is collectively bargained. So don't say, you know, the owners are just doing what they want to do. Meanwhile, in the NBA, you know, they couldn't do this because the players don't want to do this. 
So it's two different issues here going on at all times. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. And speaking of staying in your lane and knowing our information, we do that with the Chiefs and the Chargers. So the Chiefs went at 34-28, absolute classic Thursday night football, SoFi Stadium, Travis Kelsey's touchdown. Mahomes' criticism early in the week deserved, but he steps up. 442 yards of total offense and three touchdowns. Brandon Staley doesn't like kicking field goals in the red zone, though. Came back to haunt the Chargers. Three failed fourth down attempts. Left nine points off the scoreboard. Staley was disappointed, but tried to stay optimistic after the loss. I really like the way we managed the entire game tonight. This goes up to the major issue here, Mike. We'll get to the Chiefs being back and all the rest of it, but four downs. Speaking of epidemics, everyone's just going for it, right? Yeah, well, because there's no consequences anymore. I mean, 10 years ago, if you did this, you get fired. I mean, 10 years ago, there was no there was no social outrage. There was no this something called analytics that you could hide behind. Well, I'm just going with the analytics. What, what does that mean? It's like the Wizard of Oz. Is he behind the curtain? Like, seriously, what is analytics? Like, who are these people? I mean, there's some guy, a kid in a basement in Des Moines that's just run the numbers. First of all, there's only 17 games. In baseball, there's 162 games. Analytics is going to be tested over time. You could say this will, pre- this will prove out right. The, the, the lifespan of an NFL head coach is three years. It may not prove out to be right. And I disagree with Brendan Staley when he says real football people know what I'm doing. If he'd like to read some of the texts I've got from head coaches in the National Football League, I think he would disagree. I think he would. And I could show them to him. Like, here's the epidemic going on. Why is three points so bad, especially early in a game? Like, why are three points so get bad? Like, never begin with the end in mind is the first rule of scouting. So on that opening drive of the Charger game, why not take the three points? I, I, it's not what I want. Look, I don't want that either. But I'd rather have three than zero, right? I'd rather have three than zero. So if I take the three points, as I accumulate points through the game, as the game, those three are going to matter. Not to jump ahead, but had John Harbaugh taken the three points on the opening drive of the, of the Baltimore game, don't you think those three points would have mattered at the end of the game? They all kind of matter. And when you play, when you play like that early in the game, you just lose your you, you have to make up those points at somewhere along the line. And I think you're making a mistake. And here's what I would say about analytics. Every game is different. Every game has its own uniqueness to it. And you have to judge the game as it's going along. For example, the Chargers were in control of that game. The Chiefs never stopped them. The Chiefs couldn't stop their running game. They couldn't stop Herbert from throwing the ball. So why not just keep collecting points? And if you get a two-score lead in that game, A.D., and they score on you, you can score again to keep it a two-score lead. To me, I think that's really, it's a cop-out. Like, be aggressive. Example, last yesterday, Baltimore, Green Bay, scores 31-24. Okay, John Harbaugh, Mr. Analytics, he hides behind it. Somebody tweeted out the other, somebody just tweeted out if Bill Belichick would have gone for it twice, he would have been ridiculed. And Harbaugh does it, it's called analytics. It's just amazing, right? He gets away with it. All right, so example. He's down 31-23. He sends Tucker on the field. If he goes for two at that point, okay, that's now, okay, I'm going to try to win this game, but if I don't get two, which is most what analytics said to get go for two on the first time, because you can make it up on the second. Don't go for it on the second, but he doesn't. So he goes for it on the second. Like if he would have kicked the field goal in the first quarter, he would he would have been in a different shape to me. And then during the course of that game, you tell me watching that game, when Baltimore, Green Bay really ever stopped Baltimore. I mean, they kept throwing the hitch in front of Eric Stokes. I mean, Big Daddy's fingers were tired of texting me a bit about it. You know, he was like going crazy. Like, yeah. you know, what, when were they going to double Mark Andrews? I mean, Big Daddy'd like to know. When were they going to double the big Mark Andrews? 
you know, all this LaFleur talk that he's the great coach and, and he, he doesn't get enough credit. Do you think LaFleur could have walked over his defensive coordinator and said, hey, Joe, might be a good idea if we double Andrews? Because I'm thinking that on my fucking couch, right? I'm thinking that on my couch. Like, I'm not close to him. Like, I'm on the couch thinking about that. Like, Joe, you think we should double Andrews on any third down? Perhaps, just an idea. And then maybe you might want to tell the defensive linemen to stay in their pass rush lane so Hunley can play quarterback from the pocket as opposed to running. You think he could have done that? But he's, a, but he's an underrated, he's the greatest coach in, in the league, according to, to some but the worldwide leader. The headline that we saw, I was watching Fox Sports pregame. Why doesn't Matt LaFleur get enough credit? I couldn't text you quick enough. I mean, I mean there's topic. the perfect, there, uh, <laughs> your honor, I, I'd like to present my case on why Matt LaFleur doesn't get anything. Okay. I like yeah. to present my case. Here it is. It's very clear. Because if he doesn't have 12 behind there, he's doomed. He's doomed. Okay, like, let's just put it out there. Like, Joe, walk over to Joe. You know, Mark Andrews is killing us in the first drive of the game. I get it. Okay, let's adjust the game plan. We don't adjust the game plan. Like, we Mark Andrews is catching third and fourth and six. He runs a little slant route. He catches it. Like, don't you think that might have been a good time to double him? And you say, well, that's not LaFleur's job. That's Joe Bear. No, that's LaFleur's program. He's the head coach. You know, I mean, it's just, how about, how about Hannah on the special teams? How come they're so bad? Why are they so bad in the kicking game? If he's such a great coach, why isn't he over there coaching the kicking game? It's a comedy. It's really, it's this, you could see it. It's the Bob Lamont campaign. He's got his agents or whoever his agent is. It may not be Bob Lamont. I don't know, but it's the campaign. You could see it. It's like now the campaign is Doug Peterson's ready to be a head coach. He's now doing radio interviews. It's a campaign. I mean, it's the Southern primaries all over again. And I think part of it too, the whole concept of going for it, like it's fan friendly. Because what do fans say? Go for it. Come on, no, take chances. Sure. Be risky. Be aggressive. So if you do it, you go, hey, I like that they took a chance. It didn't work out. Going for a field goal, that's safe. That's boring. That's conservative. I like teams that go for it. So I think that's why the coaches get a little more leeway. Because if I'm on my couch, I'm like, yeah, go for it. My God, like, ah, it didn't work out. Well, at least they tried. They failed miserably, but they tried. Whereas a field goal, you go, ah, that's boring. So I think that's why there's not as much blowback to it. I think what they've been able to do with, with the, the so-called analytical community, whoever they are, you know, behind the curtain, this so-called analytical community, what they've been able to do is, remember the old line, if you start thinking like the fans, you'll be sitting with them? Oh, that's a great line. Right? Yeah. Remember that? That that was used to be yeah. in football. If you start thinking like the fans, you'll be sitting with them. Well, they, they've yeah. eliminated that line. Okay, they got people now thinking like fans. Seriously, right. they do. And, and I'm all for going for it on fourth down. Like, I know that. Look, you could say, okay, John Harbaugh goes for it on fourth down the opening drive. Well, you know, they got Aaron Rodgers. Okay, yeah, they, I get they have Aaron Rodgers, but it's, it's, it's the first quarter. We can make up four points later down the road. Maybe we'll get a block punt. Maybe we'll return a kick. We'll need those three points. Put them in your back pocket. You know, what's wrong? It, to me, it's the same problem. It's the credit card problem in America. Everybody just wants to, you know, there's nobody's savings. Nobody wants to save, oh, I'd rather have zero than four. I'd rather have zero right. than three. Like, what is that? Like, tell me when that works. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. And then we have nobody outraged about it. Like, all, you know, and, and then they accuse people like me of, oh, you're just old school. You're a Neanderthal, they call us. You know, right. you're a Neanderthal. Yes. No, I'm not. Like, the object of the game, the last time I checked the rule book, was, to, was to, whoever had the most points wins. Right, it wasn't whoever went for it on fourth down wins the most. It's whoever has the most. So if you're in the first quarter and you collect points, like it is, the first quarter to me is different the way you manage than the fourth quarter. 
I get that. Just like in the NBA, you coach differently in the first and fourth with baseball, first or ninth inning. Absolutely. You, you do have to adjust. And the most important point I think you're making, Mike, is it's game to game. There's no hard and fast rule. No, and it's different than baseball because there's 162 games. You can make it up during the course right. of the volume will make it up. In the NBA, there's 82 games. The volume will make it up. The percent In the NFL, John Halbrook cost his team two games. Do you, is he going to make that up? Is he going to be able to make that up? I, I don't know. I mean, if, if Lamar doesn't play this week, which is probably a good chance he doesn't play again this week, you know, if he doesn't play this week, they, can they go into Cincinnati and stop them? And if they lose to Cincinnati, they're not going to make the playoffs. So, And those two games could come back to haunt you. Well, our secondary was depleted. Okay, I get it. All would have done, win the toss, and then basically on that drive, when you win the toss, if you win the toss on that drive, just do anything in your power to score a touchdown. And if you lose the game because you're trying to score a touchdown, I get that. Like, we don't want to punt the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. I get all that. But why not live for another day? What's wrong with it? I don't understand what's wrong. Why do people look at you like you're insane when you don't agree with them that they go for two? <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, Belichick on, on Sunday night, he goes for two. He says, I didn't feel good about making the fourth down call. Again, specific to the situation. Everybody's outraged he didn't do it, right? But they know more than he does. He only has six Super Bowls, and they, they, can, they, they know way more than he does, which is clear. But what he was doing was, here's what he was doing. He's saying, okay, I'll get three here. I'll, I got to get two possessions back in the game. I have to get two more possessions. And he got one, right? And Hightower misses that tackle on Taylor in the hole. If, ta- if Ty Tackle tackles him and they get that ball back, Everybody in the building, including all everybody on the Colts, knows they're going to tie the game or win the game. So he, his margin was slim, but he felt like it was a better margin than not taking the points. And he always wants to say this, and I, he said this back in Cleveland in 91, I want to give us the best chance possible to stay in the game. And if he doesn't take the points, he doesn't stay in the game. Ultimately, the Chiefs win this game 34 to 28. Mahomes, as I mentioned, is back. I mean, her both look great. I said previously last week, I'm like, listen, I feel like the Chiefs are back to the best team in the AFC. You were like, well, I'm not quite there yet. Are you with me now, KC, best team in the AFC? <sighs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think Indy could be KC. I think New England could be KC. I think those teams could be KC. I think KC without Chris Jones is not the best team. I think they missed him on on Thursday night. I mean, the, the Chargers, for all that we talk about how good the Chiefs are, the Chargers, really were the best team on the field that day. Now, let's talk about Brendan Staley. Let's talk about, okay, Mr. I'm going to go for it every fourth down. Can we have a conversation, Brendan? Because I'm not a real football person because I don't understand it, but let's have a conversation. How about keeping Patrick Mahomes in the pocket? How about having some pass rush integrity with your pass rush lanes? You think that might be a good idea? Because, you know, you're just letting this guy go out of the pocket and throw the ball. How about doubling Tyreek Hill on every play? How about taking Kelsey out of the game? Right, like, how about trying to set up the game plan to win the game? When you go to play the Chiefs, you got two objectives: you want to keep Mahomes in the pocket, and you want to take Tyreek Hill out of the game. And if Kelsey has 15 catches for 120 yards, you just got to grin and bear it, right? But if you don't take if you don't take away one and two, it doesn't matter what you do with three. They're going to kill you. So when you ask me who the best team is, yeah, when you don't take away Kelsey, when you don't take away Hill. And you don't take away Mahomes' ability to scramble and make him play pocket quarterback, it's your own fault. And you're supposed to be a defensive guru. Mm-hmm. You violated the two principles of playing the Chiefs, and you almost won the game if you just kicked the ball. Yeah, go figure. Chargers hung tough, and ultimately they fall. 
You mentioned the teams you think could beat the Chiefs. One of those would be the Indianapolis Colts, making a statement to the rest of the AFC on Saturday night. Now, you said this was going to be a tough game for the Pats, and it certainly was. Taylor was great. 29 rushes, 170 yards. You knew what the game plan was going to be. He was going to run the ball. Indy had that 17-0 lead. A block punt for a touchdown was a huge play. But again, to me, it goes to Taylor, Mike. I mean, this is, for anybody who says running isn't important or the running game isn't what it once was, okay, I get it. But this is a statement game for the Colts. Eight and six now, and Taylor was great. Really was a star making performance by him. Yeah, it really was. I mean, and look, you know, to me, there's two sides to this coin, right? You know, the, the, the Patriots didn't play their best game by far. You know, I mean, early in the game, you could see it. I mean, Jacoby Myers on a deep pass, drops that pass. He catches it nine times out of 10 on that deep throw. And, you know, they they the third punt blocked of the year for the Patriots, unlike Bill Belichick, right? All linemen downfield. The league sent memorandum out. This is where I think the league is messed up, AD. The league sent memorandum out to the, the team saying they want to curb linemen downfield, okay? So on the very first screen pass early in the game when Jonu Smith ran for 18 yards, they called Shaq Mason downfield, okay? Here's where I think officiating is really has an issue. Okay, so on a screen pass, linemen downfield are not trying to trick the defense. Okay, so screen plays are all timing. And linemen count and they know when to go. And there's a little margin of it. It's not going to make a difference whether he's a half a yard or a, half, a, a quarter of a yard down the field. To me, it was a bad call. Where I think they really should have emphasized this, and this is where I don't think the officials understand the game, is the linemen downfield on RPO affect the defense. Because when the defense sees a lineman downfield, they think it's run and they're going to react. And so they play differently. When they see a lineman down, they don't see a lineman downfield on the screen. They just see the screen. And the lineman down, and the linemen are not trying to allure the defense into something else. So to me, the memorandum should have said on RPO plays, on RPO plays, let's tighten up this lineman downfield. Now, here's the issue. These officials don't know what an RPO is. That's the problem. They don't understand that they don't they don't spend enough time learning football from the coaches to understand the play. I can remember asking Mike Pereira. We we played Kansas City when I was in Oakland. And we're and it's a second game of the year and and we're we're a good team in Oakland. We've got some skilled players. This is Randy Moss's first year. Kerry Collins at quarterback, Lamont Jordan's the running back, and we're going to win the game. We run a we run a power O out of a nickel set and we go for 18 yards, sets us up. And the, and the defensive end for the Chiefs, wrong arm technique, the, the, the guard pulling, and they call holding. Okay, now wrong arm techniques means you take your outside shoulder and give yourself up. You're basically exchanging one for one. So I said to Pereira, I said, Mike, how can you call holding on wrong arm technique? He says, what's wrong arm technique? There's a problem with that, right? He didn't know. It's just being honest, he didn't know. Okay, I said, Mike, wrong arm technique is when the defender gives himself up to the offender, to the offensive guy. Like, if you don't know that and you don't know that's the intent of the coach is what he's doing, how do you call holding on that? He's giving himself up and says an exchange one for one. He's conceding that he doesn't want to get, he's not going to get held. He gave himself up. You just gave them a break. You called a play that they actually didn't really even consider. So that's the issue. If we want to make officiating better in the NFL, we should get coaches to educate the officials on the game. And they could tell them, look, you can't call holding on wrong arm technique. You know, if linemen are downfield on the screen, it's only because the screen got delayed, not because the screen was executed properly. Like, 
tighten up the RPO. And I, and I think that's the biggest issue in officiating. So going back to the game, I went off on my soapbox. I apologize. But going back to the game, you know, I, I think this was a, a game where the Patriots dared themselves to think Carson Wentz couldn't beat them. And in the second half of the game, they were convinced Carson. I mean, Carson turned into Rory in the second half, like we predicted, and Taylor bailed him out. I mean, Taylor bailed him out. Yeah, that's the one concern for the Colts. If you say, okay, statement win game, Taylor's great, defense was good, but I'm like, I still don't feel like Carson Wentz is going to win you a playoff game. No, I, that's I don't concern. either. I don't either, but I'll tell you something. After that game, you know, Hart, I said to myself, and, and I've been a fan of Mac Jones since he was in college. To me, Mac mm-hmm. Jones, I, I, can we stop this critique of Mac Jones? I mean, it's serious. at some point, after you watch that game, anybody who doesn't think Mac Jones is a good player, you, you should stop evaluating quarterbacks for a living. I mean, you should really stop. Did he make mistakes? They all make mistakes. I mean, they all make mistakes, right? They're all, Mm -hmm. but that was an elite performance. He threw the ball with accuracy. He was poised in the pocket. He made all the right decisions. You know, he made some bad decisions, but he led his team back. I mean, to me, the future is bright with that kid. This future is extremely bright with that guy. And I don't see how anybody can't see that. I don't see why you you, you want to keep knocking the kid. I mean, has anybody sent a search party out to find Trey Lance? We'll get to that later, but I mean, like seriously. Yeah, it's a story. No, we'll get to that later. Like I said, Pat 16 winning streak was snapped. As you said, they did not play their best. Biggest shock of the weekend. The Lions beat the Cardinals. Oh, wow. You're watching the game going, like, no, this is not a shock for you. Upsets and then there's upsets. Cardinals 30 to 12. They lose Detroit, dominated the game 24 to 6. Jared Goff, three touchdowns, three different receivers. The absence of DeAndre Hopkins was huge. Kyler Murray. 18 incompletions, a 72.9 pass rating. But you're saying you're not shocked by this. I am. I mean, I, I wish I would have, you know, I, I I am shocked that they lost to the Lions. I'm not shocked that uh, that they didn't cover the spread, but I am right. I am shocked that they lost. I mean, that you, you got to go back there after coming off of a bad loss against the Rams, you know, but I think there's a bigger issue here with the Cardinals. I think they're a good, bad team. You know, I, I think when you really examine Kyler Murray, and you look at them over last year. And last year, at the end of the year, they were three and six over the year. And that one of those three wins came in the in the Hail Mary game against Buffalo. You know, last year, he averaged 6.3 yards rushing. This year, he's at 3.9. You know, his long run last year was 45 yards. This year, it's 18 yards. Like, Murray's not running. And teams are playing Murray to be in the pocket. Look, he's 5'11". He has liability when he has to stay. He can't see all the things. He's got a rocket, and he's and he's certainly meep meep. There's no doubt he's not. He's beep beep all over. However, right. you know, against the Lions, he struggled. And I thought in the game that the Lions' lack of total speed on defense would be a problem. Not. And then the other issue is the Cardinals can't stop the run. And when you can't stop the run as a defense, every bad team becomes better. Every bad team becomes better because every bad team can at least run block, right? A lot of them can't pass block, but they can run block. And Goff, for whatever reason, wasn't scared. And usually when you get Goff scared, you're going to win the game. But he was poised as ever, you know? So, I mean, to me, the Cardinals, yeah, I've been impressed. But they're the, lately, this is another, they're, you know, they're, they're the, over the course of the season, they're slowly, slowly sliding away like they did last year. Laying an egg for the second straight week on both sides of the ball how about just a thought on Dan Campbell and the Lions? Like, do you, do you give give him credit for a win like this, or is this Arizona more just? Oh, you, know, you got to give Dan Campbell credit. They don't have their best player Swift on the field. They competed. I mean, Aaron Glenn's defense, which I, you know, you can't even name five players on the defense. They played well. You know, I mean, give them credit. I mean, they're playing hard. They they haven't quit. 
you know, they they weren't they weren't satisfied with their one victory. They came back. I got to give him credit. Look, his game management and all those things are, are debatable, but I do think you got to give him credit what they've done. Well done, the Lions, as they roar again. Did Rodgers continue his MVP campaign in Baltimore? Did Tyler Huntley come off the bench, throw the cape on, and save the day for the Ravens? Also, who scored more points on Sunday, the Giants or the Bucks? Surprising answer. More games next on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle. Code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash gmshuffle. Code gmshuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Our producer, Ugo, at this game enjoyed the win but hated the cold. Cowboys and Giants, 21-6 as Dallas wins this one, staying hot. Their third straight win. Dallas controlling this game from start to finish. Mike, Dak and the offense look more efficient. 
126 yards in the ground from the combo of Zeke and Tony Pollard and 217 yards and a touchdown from Dak. We said before, Dak hasn't played as well lately, but I think efficient is the right word there to describe their offense, but the Dallas defense. They hold the Giants at only two field goals and our new favorite whipping boy, Mike Lennon, picked off three times, including Diggs grabbing his 10th. A predictable result, perhaps, but this defense is really good now for Dallas. No doubt. I mean, can you imagine driving to the stadium knowing Mike Lennon's your starting quarterback? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you'd hope you get a flat tire on the way. You know, if you're the GM of the, if you're Gettleman and you're driving to the stadium and you sign Mike Lennon as your backup quarterback, you're just praying for a flat tire on the road. You got to. Yeah, I want to miss this game. I mean, like I call you, Triple A can't come. I don't want to watch this again. Like seriously, like how does this happen? Like I would like to do. I would like Oliver Stone to come in and do a documentary on how Mike Lennon became a backup, how he got this job. I would like to. I think it's I think so it's like unsolved mysteries. Robert Stack. I, I want to know show. what evidence was ever put out there that this you feel comfortable with this. <laughs> like I want to know. Like I feel bad for Mike Lennon. Like I, I I feel bad for him. It's you know, he's a great kid. I'm sure he's a wonderful kid, you know, and he's had every opportunity to be a quarterback. I mean, Chicago signed him to a deal. I, when Chicago signed him to a deal, I was like, I don't I think that's a smart move. Let's see what he can do. Right. Well, he can't do anything. We learned that. So why do we keep doubling down? Like, I'd like to know who made that decision. Like, who signed off on that? I mean, the only one who's going to find out is Oliver. You know, he'll probably have to go to the National Archives. It's probably somewhere in there. But I, I don't get it. Like, they couldn't do anything. And they're talking about Jason Locke before had a report that that Kevin Abrams is going to be the next general manager if when Gettleman leaves. I mean, th this is exactly what we talk about with the Giants. They just, they refuse to look outside their organization to change. If you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. I mean, this is another 10-digit loss season for them. Since Love Boat, I mean, like literally, since they weren't on Love Boat, it's been, it's a disaster. How many more times can you say it? I know they had COVID. I know, AD, they had COVID. I get that, right? right. But, you know, I mean, we all, everybody's got problems. Yeah. And so remember, whenever someone says, I got problems, you should wait to hear what my problems yeah. are, right? Like, like, if you like go that down that route, yeah. we all got issues, right? We all got problems with our team, et cetera. Uh, the Giants are a mess. We know that. For Dallas, uh, this particularly is notable, Mike. They're 9-1 against the NFC. So they find themselves the number two seed, only three games left. I think we would agree Arizona has fallen off a little bit. So if you're stacking up Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Green Bay, I think, is one. I know you can argue Tampa Bay is 1A, 1B, but where do you put Dallas in that mix? What would it take for them to overcome those two other teams? Well, I, I think Tampa Bay has to have all their receivers. I think we learned that. We'll talk about that later. I think Green Bay's defense better get healthy because if, if Tyler Huntley moved the ball at ease on them, you know, the way he did, I, I would worry. I mean, the, the week before, Chicago moved the ball. Remember, Chicago moved the ball in the second half. They kind of took over that game. I mean, you know, that was a 15-point win, but it didn't feel like it. They covered that spread. I mean, to me, Green Bay has to carry their team much like they always have to try to be two, two, two scores ahead because I don't trust that defense to play well because it didn't play well in Baltimore, and it should have. I mean, Baltimore's offensive line isn't very good. If they would have just controlled him in the pocket and taken away Andrews, it would have been, but they're not game plan specific. So, you know, I, I think Dallas, I think Green Bay's the best team uh, because of, because of Rodgers, who should be, let, let's just put this out there. He's the MVP of the league. Like whoever gets the votes, fine. You can get, but he is the MVP of the league. There's no denying that. All due respect to Coach LaFleur. He is the MVP of the league. So, you know, uh, so I, I would rank those teams. I probably would go Green Bay, Tampa, then Dallas. I, I'm not sure Dallas in a, against a good defense 
their offense is going to be good enough to be able to overcome it. And that defense, if you know how to block them, which is hard, especially with Lawrence and Gregory and now uh, now uh, Parsons, it's hard. So, I mean, I go back and forth on that. But to me, Green Bay, I think they have the advantage right now, especially if they have home field. Speaking of Green Bay, so they beat the Ravens 31-30. to 30. As you said, Hotley passed for 215, had a couple of touchdowns, 73 yards rushing, a couple of touchdowns rushing. Uh, but the Packers do pull it out. Rodgers, Frazier, Pinky, but clearly a guy who will take advantage of what Baltimore is doing, exploit that secondary. And ultimately, you know, we talked about the Harbaugh decision. Just to give you his quote, he said, I think our chances of winning right there were a little bit higher than an overtime. I felt good about it. I thought we had a good play. They made a really good play. Harbaugh's been really aggressive, as we talked about, but ultimately. Yeah, he gets work. away with it. I mean, yeah. you know, he's put two losses. I mean, you know, well, the ball got to, you know, Lamar had to overthrow Andrews. I mean, look, you know, I, I just think to me, when you're when you're playing as well as you did against them with your offense, mm-hmm. why not win the toss and go down and score? Like, why not? You know, you, yeah. you put 354 yards on them. I mean, you move the ball down, up and down the field. You're seven for 13 on third down. You were two for four on fourth down, you know? And, and, and look, Andrews had 10 catches for 136. You know, I mean, they couldn't cover Well, they didn't even try to cover Andrews. So, you know, like to me, I would have lived for another day. Like, let's just go for it. Let's try to win the toss here. And the drive before when they stopped them, you know, when, when it was 31-24, they sacked them. They tried to run the ball, no gain. The next play, the next play, he got sacked. And then, he, you know, he, he got incomplete pass. So, like, they, they had stopped them. And I know they were d- debilitated in the secondary. But to me, I think you got to give your ch- team a chance. What happens if you win the toss and you go out there and you just take the game over? Because I promise you, Green Bay, was, Green Bay wasn't going to stop you. It is true. Speaking of another surprise, the Saints shutting out Brady and the Bucks, And we know Sean Payton game plans well against Tom Brady. That's a really cool story, and we'll get into that. But the fact that neither of these games had a touchdown, just dominated by defense, the Saints sacking Brady four times, picking him off once and forcing a fumble. As I said, they beat Brady fourth time in five games, did so this time without their head coach, Sean Payton, away from the team at COVID. New Orleans, though, 7-7. Seven and seven. The Bucks dropped to 10-4. and four. But in order to give props, Dennis Allen, Chris Richard coaching a masterpiece. How did they shut down Brady again? Well, I, I think, you know, they, 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 they rush for and they get to him and they bother him. They cover him really well. They understand their concepts in their passing game. So that's just not a, they're not doing something magical. But I think more than anything in this game, this is why Brady is so, uh, why he needs certain players around him, why Antonio Brown is not going to get cut, even though Bruce Arian says he's going to make that decision. You know, like, like let's just stop Bruce. He's coming back because Brady needs players he trusts. This is the really the essence of this game is about trust. And we saw it in New England. When he doesn't trust the players on the field with them, he just uh, he looks very average. When he, when he trusts the players around him, he looks great. And, you know, you lose Fournette in the game to hamstring. I mean, it's way too early. It's way too late in the season to lose hamstrings. Mike Evans' hamstring. You know, what's going on off the field when you start having hamstrings? Like, I worry about that. And then they lose Godwin. Now they've lost Godwin for the rest of the season until the playoffs. I mean, you take three of those guys away from Brady and leave Gronk out there. Who's he going to throw the ball to? He doesn't trust anybody other than Gronk. So to me, this is this game was more evidence, and I think Brady's great. Don't get me wrong, but I think the supporting cast in Tampa allows Brady to be what he can be, and I think it's important to Brady, and he would be the first to admit that. But I think with Rodgers, he plays with anybody, put anybody yeah. out there. He don't care. You know, he makes it so. I mean, the, he makes it impossible for you not to catch the ball. He's the best player in the league. It's not even close. I, I mean, he's done it. You know, and he and he covers up for all the sins of their team. And he makes it, gets him in the right play. He manages the game. 
I promise you, he knew when he went three and out on that last drive, he was in trouble. He knew it was going to be an overtime game, you know, and he was going to have 43 seconds. Maybe he comes back. But to me, you know, give Dennis Allen and Chris Richardson, Sean Payton and, and Pete Carmichael all the credit. I mean, you know, they they, they got away with, with winning the game. They didn't even run the ball effectively. They ran, Can you imagine they ran it 31 times in this game for just 61 yards? I mean, you talk about stubborn. <laughs> right. I mean, mo- most people, most of the analytical people tell you, oh, we got to start throwing here now. We got to start throwing. You got to get 11 personnel to throw the ball. You know, yep. Th- this is called managing the game. This is called doing what's best for you on this given day to win the game. The Bucs not only lose the game, they lose Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, and Mike Evans. So let's try to overcome that rash of injuries. And for New Orleans, again, they're seven and seven. They're in the playoff mix right now, Mike. You just say to yourself, hey, imagine if Drew Brees was there. And I get it. Drew Brees the last couple of years has not been Drew Brees. But imagine if they had a dynamic quarterback. Then this team might really be able to make some noise. Yeah. You know, or, or how about Michael Thomas was there? How about if their two starting tackles were there? You know, I mean, they won that game with backup tackles, you know, and, 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 and without Michael Thomas and without a legitimate receiver. And they just grinded their way to a victory. It shows mental toughness. You know, this is what Sean Payton is. Sean Payton's a tough guy. You know, uh, and his team stuff, and give and Dennis Allen. I think they're very confident in how they play Brady, and he, they frustrate Brady. You can see it, but more than frustrate Brady, I think they're very uh, that Brady was not was more frustrated with his players than he was with everything else. Definitely frustration there as the Bucs get shut out. By the way, it's why you can't gamble. I mean, people are like, oh man, who expected this? I'm like, yeah, that's why it's called gambling. That's why it's so tough. <laughs> tough, tough night for some of the picks this week with the Lions winning and the Bucs getting shut out. As always, send us your mailbag questions. The GM Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. Matthew from South Bend. As I watched the Sunday Night Football game, I had to wonder, does Dennis Allen deserve another shot at a head coaching job? What's the big fuss over offensively-minded candidates anyway if it's essentially a chief figure at an officer job, what makes the owners and GMs lean toward offensive assistance? Also, I summer an OC, and I'm very upset by the recent demise of Tony P's House of Pies. Oh, he says pie, excuse me. What is Mike's go-to pizza these days? Care to rate the best South Jersey slices? Well, I mean, I don't know all of South Jersey slices. Tony P's used to be Tony P used to be the uh, manager of what, what is the most popular pizza place here at Ocean City called Manko's Pizza. It used to be called Mac Manko's. Now it's just Manko's. They have three spots up on the boardwalk, always crowded, really thin pizza, outstanding. Uh, it is the best pizza around. It's, it's really good. There's, a, there's an offshore place that makes this guy, I don't know the name of it, that's really good too. It was rated very highly in the, in the, in the polls. So, you know, Tony Peace, I think he just got tired of working. And so, they put a Mexican restaurant up there on the boardwalk now. So he used to be open year round too, Tony Pease. He kind of took the recipe because he worked so long at Manco's, kind of tried to make it in, you know, because it's a secret recipe. Like you you would be dead to find that. I mean, I don't think Tony Soprano could find that recipe out on Mac Manco's pizza. <laughs> and it's really the dough. I think it's all the dough too. But right. anyway, the great Nick Lombardi worked up there at Mac Manco's pizza, made a fortune there. Your father oh, too. Nice. Your father too. Anyway, uh <laughs> Anyway, so I, I think that. But the defensive coaches, I think that's a great question, right? Because I think the reason why most of these guys lean towards offense is it's hard to find when a defensive coach interviews for a job, the first question, well, who's going to run the offense? Their owners are so worried about who's going to run the And to find a really good young assistant or a good offensive coach to run your offense is very problematic. So because they want to manage the team, they'll hire an offensive coach, essentially make him the offensive coordinator, 
like they did with LaFleur. He runs the offense, and then they hire a defensive coach, Barry, or whomever they had, Mike Pettin there before, and they can find defensive coaches they are more readily available. It's really all about supply and demand. It's not about building culture. It's not about trying to define your organization. I agree. Dennis Allen, great job. He's done a good job down in New Orleans. Certainly deserves another chance. He can learn, if he learned from his experience at the Raiders, maybe, you know, but a lot of that has to come through in the interview. But if I were if I were picking a GM, I would lean defense because I want my team to be tough. And I figure, and and you know, offensive football, we got to develop the guys to call the plays, run the offense. We're going to run a certain style of offense. If you're a head coach, that that is not predicated on who we hire. We're going to run. This is what we're going to do. This is going to be our philosophy. But owners don't want to hear philosophy. They want to hear splash. They want to hear, oh, I'm going to hire Kellen Moore. How soft do you think a team would be if Kellen Moore was the head coach? Like seriously. Like, how soft would that team be? Just, just not, not, not even practicing in pads, just shorts only. We're going to only be in the warm weather. Uh, yeah, I mean, them. how soft would they be? I mean, like, a pay, yeah. you know, like, uh, and, and Kellen's probably a great, that th- th- he's probably a great offense coordinator, but, you know, I mean, he's a good play caller. I don't know if he's a great offense coordinator, but they would, there, there wouldn't be any toughness to the team. And I think that's what you missed. Whereas Andy, Andy Reid is, t- he makes his teams tough. From his experience with Jim Johnson and all that, I think he does. Sean Payton's teams are tough, but it, but but it takes a unique guy. John John Gruden's teams were never tough. You punch him in the mouth. So it all depends. It does all depend. And ultimately, listen, offense is a little bit sexy. It's like the, the shiny Corvette. Everyone wants a little piece of that. The defense, like, oh, whatever. I'm like, okay, I get that's how things happen. Uh, Pop Culture Minute. I'm going to be taking my kids. We're taping this, but I'm going to take them to go see the new Spider-Man later today. Uh, they are obviously very fired up. I'm like, ah, I was thinking, like, as far as favorite superheroes, I don't believe you and I have ranked them here. I mean, by the way, speaking of the pandemic, $253 million at the box office this weekend. So I hope everybody was masked up, but like that is gigantic numbers. Easily the biggest movie since the pandemic began. Almost two years, $253 million went to go see Spider-Man this weekend. Wow. Now, think of superheroes. Where are you ranking them? I'm going Batman 1. Oh, me, me, me too, Batman 1. Okay. But I, yeah. I could watch the like I could watch the old Batman. I could watch the old Superman, those black and white Superman with George Reeves. I think, you know, I could watch that. Like I could watch those. Those are great. Like, so wait, the, the Adam West Batman, you can still watch. Oh, I, love you know, I, love I love that. I mean, because I love it. Because you go down the bat cave and he looks at the bat computer. I mean, all the shit that was in the bat cave, we all have now. You know, he had bat, you know, remember when they go to the map and he wants to find you know the secret location and dumb that's Google Maps. Right? <laughs> right? It's Google Maps. I mean, it was right there, right in front of our noses. We just didn't see it. We said, oh, that's not probable. They, they invented it all. I mean, I love it. I, I love the I love the whole, I love the set. I love looking at the sets, the 60. I love seeing them come out of that tunnel, you know, and go into the Batcave, Commissioner Gordon's <laughs> office. I mean. Cesar Romero is the Joker. You got to love him. I love the fact great. that he wouldn't shave his mustache. So they just coated white paint over it and you could see his mustache <laughs> underneath the thing. You know, I mean, it's so good. I, I, I think it was great. Batgirl comes in, Commissioner yeah. Alfred the Butler, Miss, you know, Harriet. I mean, you know. Robin a bit of a wimp, though. Yeah. Huh? Like, Robin's not the coolest guy at the table. No, you know, like, <laughs> but they're always, you know, Bruce and him are always dressed up in a coat and tie sitting in the lounge. <laughs> like, like, who does that? Like, I, like <laughs> Just lounging yeah, on a Saturday I'm gonna, night. I'm gonna, you know, tell Millie, all right, I'm going to sit around, I'm going to put my coat and tie on, we're going to go over in the study and I'm going to read my book, you know? I mean, like, seriously, who does that? I love it. Oh, that's great stuff. Pop Culture Minute for you. Still read, uh, listening to Jim's book, HBO I, book? I still listen to it, Making Progress. Got a long drive tomorrow, so I'll get five hours in on the book, so that'll be good. Uh, you know, I did the Narcos Mexico 
uh, you know, so-so. I wasn't nice. thrilled with that. I'm excited for the Ricardos, which I think is tomorrow. So yes. hopefully yes. I'm going to go up and see my grandkids tomorrow and uh, spend Christmas with them. So hopefully I'll get to watch it. That's awesome. Thanks so much to everybody here for supporting us here on the GM Shuffle. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Another episode later this week. And hope everybody's staying safe out there. Thanks for listening.